Well, it's, it's rude of me to interrupt all the love that is happening in this room, but, but I did, so yeah. I'm Isaac, I'm the lead pastor, and it's, uh, it's a good Sunday to be together, and uh, yeah. My son turns 18 this week. His name is Owen, and he's, he's back there in the video switcher. That's a, that's a happy moment in our, our lives. All right, well. <laughs> uh, I don't know what he said, but... <laughs> No, thank you. <laughs> oh, oh. There is a teaching handout in the worship guide that you were given, or you were handed it on the way in. Do we have any extras if people need an extra? Do we have some extras, yes or no? Uh, if you need one, keep your hand up, and we may or may not disappoint you. So, yeah, Devin will be bringing that along. Also, in a few moments, uh, I'll give you an opportunity, as is our custom here, to interact with the conversation, with the message today. And uh, you will do that by sending a text message uh, to the number that is right up here. That number will also come up again in a few uh, moments. Okay. Well, okay. Do we, if you need a handout, okay, we're getting it. Okay. All right. Let's stand together. <clears throat> we'll read the scriptures together. You read the words in yellow, I'll read the words in white. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. And no wonder, even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Romans 8, 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. 1 John 4, verses 4 through 5. Little children, you are from God and have conquered them. For the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore, what they say is from the world, and the world listens to them. The word of the Lord. You can be seated. Today, in our study of uh, the Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. A great teaching already from Reed. I hope to just add to that. A small thought to begin. Well, actually, before we begin, I have, I have one more book that I wasn't able to give away last week. This is the... Do we have another one somewhere? Oh, okay. I have another one as well. I would like to give this away. We talked about forgiveness this last week. Jessica, is that for you? Come on up. <laughs> Exactly. I was going to jump off the stage, but I've broken enough things in the last year. So, yes, that is for you. And if somebody else wants one, come find me. I guess we have another. We do. Okay. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil is our subject matter today. Thinking about how we, Jesus inviting us to pray this way. This part of the prayer is an appeal that our Father, who's holy who has a holy name, whose kingdom is coming, that he would lead us through temptation and would rescue us from evil. Of all the things that the Jesus could have taught us to pray, he teaches us to pray in this way. Well, the Bible tells the truth about me, about my experience. Uh, the brutal honesty in the Bible helps me to Trust the Bible. 
The Bible makes no flimsy promises, like seven steps to be a successful life, you know, to a successful life. Rather, the scriptures tell the story of a desperate world that desperately needs rescue. Evil is real. Temptation is real. Jesus doesn't sing a lullaby to us. It'll be okay, and that's the way it will be. Wow, it presents images like spiritual warfare. We're encouraged to, to gird ourselves up and to engage with the world as it is, which is broken. Jesus asks us to pray according to this reality, the reality of the broken world that we find ourselves in and that we contribute to. Last week, we did a lot of work around forgiveness. It was just tremendous. And I'm proud of you for engaging and risking and being vulnerable and allowing the Lord to point unforgiveness out and point out your need for forgiveness and to go deeper into what forgiveness is. Why do we need forgiveness? Why do we need to give forgiveness? Because there's a lot of evil happening. There's a lot of sin happening. Now, I told on myself last week, you guys might remember, and I'd like to expand on one of the stories I told uh, of myself this last week, and I think it will help to illustrate what we will confront today. Here's the story that you might recall from last week. In my early 20s, as a manager of a gas station, I stole several packs of energy pills. These energy pills suppressed my appetite and helped me to feel energy for the day. Today, we'll unpack what the scriptures have to say about temptation and about evil. Now, I know I'm not alone. I'm your pastor, after all. And I am responsible for what I did wrong, which I will explain. But also, have you ever felt like there's a conspiracy against us? Amen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you might have thought, like the Apostle Paul did. I do what I don't want to do. I don't do what I want to do. Oh, what a miserable wretch I am. Paul says this. You may have felt that way. Have you, have you recognized that you continue in your sinfulness? Jesus asked us to pray to be taken away from temptation, to taken through temptation, to be delivered from evil, because we need to be desperately praying that every single day. This is our experience. Now, a couple of years ago, uh, a former pastor from the Portland area, by a guy by the name of John Mark Comer, um, tremendous pastor, he released a book called Live No Lies. And he explores what he calls the unholy trinity that allies itself against us and helps to make sense of the conspiracy. Dis there are things against us that are causing for us to move in a direction that the evil of the world is real, the devil is real, and our participation with it is real. And he gives these three big ideas that the devil spawns deceitful ideas. We'll get into that. Those deceitful ideas play to disordered desires. That is our flesh, the flesh that each of us are prone towards overindulgence, prone towards a, a, a perverted desire, which are based upon original good desires. We'll talk more about that. And then this all takes place in the world. And so our 
deceitful ideas, our sinful flesh becomes normalized in a sinful society. And we think, oh, this is normal. And these three factors conspire against us and create essentially a cycle of doom and brokenness and strongholds. And we need Jesus to rescue us. So we'll make more sense of this. This, um, what I appreciate about this is this is not a new idea, but this is John Mark Comer developing an old idea that we see within the antiquity of the church at the early church fathers and, uh, and leaders of the early church recognized these forces conspiring uh, against us. And he brings modern insights to these biblical concepts. He invites us to consider that modern secular diagnoses do not give adequate attention to what is going on. Now, this sermon will serve as an appetizer for this book, and I encourage you, this would be a book worth getting, and it can help you to understand the conspiracy that is against you and how we play into it and how we stay stuck. Okay, so we're going to go through these uh, one at a time, which will help us to see why we need to pray desperately, oh Lord, rescue us, deliver us. We are indeed desperate. Not just a little bit. <laughs> like, I don't know if I could say that enough. Yeah. All right. First of all, the devil who spawns deceitful ideas. The devil or Satan was seen as the ultimate enemy of God and humanity. Um, St. Irenaeus of Lyons wrote, Satan is the one who introduced death into the world. He, he is the one who seduces us into sin and leads us away from God. Now, in the early church and in other times that were not like the 1900s or the 2000s, the, the concept of the devil was, was accepted. We have, in a sophisticated fashion, we've done away with such a notion <laughs> because we are so much smarter and obviously we know how to run the world really well. <laughs> I mean, uh, okay, no, <laughs> no, we, we sang about it this morning. Is the world broken? Yes. <laughs> yeah. First Peter, verse five, eight through nine. The scriptures say this, discipline yourselves, keep alert. Keep alert. Like a roaring lion, your adversary, the devil, prowls around looking for someone to devour. Resist him, steadfast in your faith, for you know that your brothers and sisters in all the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. The devil is truly out to get us. The scriptures demythologize us. We do not demythologize the scriptures. The scriptures tells us the truth. There's an enemy of our soul. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 14. Paul, in the middle of it, he says, And no wonder even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. He is a liar presenting himself to be really something tremendous. But he's a liar. We'll talk more about that. Jesus says, uh, in talking to the Pharisees, he says, you are from your father, the devil, 
and you chose choose to do your father's desires, he, speaking of the devil, was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks according to his own nature, for he is a liar. He is the father of lies. That's who the devil is. That is his nature. Around here, we have called him Stan the liar. Stan the liar. Okay, so you just take the A out, and it probably more accurately represents who Satan is, because we think of like Satan, you know, like Reed did cat ears. I was like, devil ears, you know, like we tend to think of Satan like that. <laughs> which of you, which of you, you know, if like knock, knock, knock on your front door and somebody was like, <laughs> come here, my child of the darkness. You would be like, no, I've had enough Amazon deliveries for one day. <laughs> I mean, you no. So we take the A out of his name to more accurately represent how he comes. He's Stan for marketing. <laughs> you know, good looking guy. I could trust this probably. This guy's great. What harm. This in our modern world, in our world, this is how Satan presents himself as an angel of light. You would not be duped into the other side of things. You wouldn't. But he disguises himself. In the beginning, in the garden, the devil lied. He's a liar. Did God really say? Hmm. But he just doesn't want you to be like him. Take, eat, I'll buy you lunch. <laughs> He's a master propagandist, master at deceiving. Now, I'm not suggesting there aren't real and grotesque ways that evil appears in the world, but by and large, this is how we get deceived. The devil creates mirages. He grabs our attention through lies that are so believable. Back to my story of stealing from my employer. It's not that big of a deal. Isaac, come on then, don't be legalistic. Oh, you're right. You aren't paid a fair wage after all, Isaac. Hmm. That's probably true. <laughs> this is how the devil speaks to us, seduces us, draws us in. And he's constantly saying to you and I, did God really say? Does God have anything to say about sex or marriage? Come on then. How antiquated that must be. You poor thing, burdened by rules and regulations. Now it's common knowledge that Russia interfered with the 2016 presidential election. There's no evidence that there was collusion, like somebody was from the US was trying to participate with that. But how do they mess with it? Through subversive distraction. 
messing with people, getting them against each other. According to a Senate Intelligence Committee report, this is what one of the things that was said, by flooding social media with false reports, conspiracy theories, and trolls, and by exploiting existing divisions, Russia is trying to breed distrust of our democratic institutions and our fellow Americans. And as I thought that, I mean, I'm not, obviously I'm kind of interested from a, you know, from a like, oh, that's, that's really strange in our world. But I thought, that's just like the devil coming in with propaganda, misdirection, playing us off each other, seducing us into behaviors and ways of thinking that destroy. He's a master liar. Think of like the best liar you've ever had the privilege of knowing. (laughs) And he's just a master. We are seduced over and over again. He lies. Some lies that came to mind this week that he says, God doesn't care about you. Here's one. You are worthless, you know. Oh, unless you, you can build your worth, proving to everyone around you by doing this, this thing over here. There's no purpose for your life. You will never be good enough. You are not loved. You are not capable of achieving anything. You're too broken to be fixed. You're a failure. You won't be successful. You'll always be alone. You're not worthy of forgiveness, are you? Look what you did again. You can't find true joy. You can't actually love any. And then it becomes even more sinister than that. It's like, well, since you, you always be alone, why not give yourself to this man? Oh, then you won't be alone. Compromise your ideals. Because being alone is the worst thing for you. God's not with you. You see how he plays on all those things. Then one of his favorite things to do is to seduce us into sin and then reach with his other hand. It's like his one-two combo with shame. Look what you did. Smacks you with shame. Yeah, you'll never get out of this. You've done it, and you've broken it both. His nature is to lie. And I hope, and maybe some of you are like, I don't know if the devil really exists. I hope that you would recognize, like, what is it that causes us all to be tempted so? Certainly, as we'll talk about in the next point, our flesh is a part of that. But there is a constant campaign against us. The devil sowing lies. He can't make you do anything, but he lies to you all the time. That's his nature, as Jesus said. The second thing that conspires against us, his lies, the devil's lies, play to disordered desires. Our flesh in the fallen world, we, our desires are outsized or misdirected. They are disordered. Our bodies are full of good desires. So many are uh, full of desires, and so many of our desires are good. We are creatures of desire. Our desire for food is good, just not that much, you know. Our desire for sex is good. God created us to, to be drawn towards that. 
But in our fallen state, these desires, they are disordered. They no longer correspond to reality. So we desire things that are not according to the ordering of the world that God has put into place. These desires, we, we think that they can make meaning where they cannot. We were created with good desires, but these have been perverted over time. So what the scriptures called the flesh is, is, is uh, it's, it's a, the language that the scriptures are using to help us to understand that about ourselves, that we are prone to temptation. We are prone to follow our desires in places we should never go that are not according to God's desire. Back to sex, which I think is important to talk about. Sex is a good desire. In the covenant of marriage, sexual fulfillment is lovely and how God has used it for procreation and to bond the marriage unit together for the family to be strong and, and robust. That is, a, that is an aspect of how God has created. It's, it's so good. But outside of the covenant of marriage, Sex does not, is not correspond to the reality that God created. It is not being expressed and fulfilled within committed relationship. And so it leads to brokenness. It leads to dead ends. It leads to confusion. It leads to all sorts of things. Sex is created for, the, for family. But our disordered desires, we are easily tempted and lured into expressing those desires in ways do, that do not correspond to the way that the world was created. And if we're honest with ourselves, we can describe what happens and the brokenness that happens as a result. Back to my story of stealing. My desire to feel energized to be able to work and play and exercise while feeling good. <laughs> I don't want to actually sleep well enough <laughs> to discipline myself so that I can be energized. I don't want to actually have to say no to temptation. I would just rather dull the temptations of food. And so, it's not that big of a deal. You're underpaid, played to, yes, I want to be a great employee. I want to have energy for my family. I want to be able to say no to food. That is not good for me. And so I will, you see how these play together. Deceitful ideas play to disordered desires. The devil tells us lies all the time that play to these out of order desires all the time. And the scripture addresses this. Romans 8, 13, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Galatians 5, 24, and those who are Christ's, we belong to Christ, we have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. 1 Peter 2.11, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against our soul. It is so good for the scriptures to be honest with us that our flesh, that our temptations, that we are prone, 
We are prone to walk way outside of what God has intended for us. And the first step is to be honest and be like, oh yeah, my flesh does not lead very well. But the unholy trinity isn't complete if we don't address the world around us. In shorthand, the world around us, um, these deceitful ideas played to disordered desires are then normalized in a sinful society. This is one of the ways to understand when the scripture is talking about the world, the way around us, um, how it's normalized. Now, none of us knows who we are except by the reflection we get back from those around us. And this is where the world comes to play with this. The world around us normalizes thoughts, words, and behaviors. And so even terribly destructive actions or behaviors don't seem very bad because it's normal. Follow me here. Imagine a girl raised in the garbage dumps outside of a major city. She spends her days scavenging for food and shelter, surrounded by trash, disease, danger. To, to her, this is all she knows. She's never known a life outside of the dump. She's never seen clean water, proper sanitation, or a safe home. To her, this is normal. For us, looking from the outside, who <laughs> we, we would say, like, we're shocked. This is heartbreaking. We'd be appalled by the poverty, the desperation. We would want to take action immediately. We would want to help to provide her basic necessities and help her escape the cycle of poverty and disease. Wouldn't we? Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Ray. <laughs> He's with me. We would. In the same way, the world around us normalizes thoughts, words, behaviors that are, that are destructive and harmful. And we can become and are often so accustomed to them that we no longer see them as bad or as harmful. It becomes our normal. Back to my story. People were stealing from the employer all the time. It becomes a little bit normal. Yeah, you're not boasting about it, but everybody was doing it. You see how deceitful ideas played to our disordered desires, that we are people, that our flesh wants more than what God has intended or something according to uh, a reality that is not true. Disordered desires, so deceitful ideas, disordered desires, normalized in a sinful society. Can you see the conspiracy that is against us? Absolutely. It is hard to work through these things. John writes, that's probably Jesus. <laughs> Wrap it up, big fella. All right. <laughs> big guy. Okay. Little children. I love how John uses that phrase. You are from God and have conquered them. For the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. 
They are from the world, therefore what they say is from the world and the world listens to them. We are afflicted by this, but we are saved from it, rescued from it. Okay, a bit more to say, but I want to hear from you first. So here's the questions, and there's the book, if front and center next three minutes, if you want to find a way uh, to buy it at a local Christian bookstore, perhaps. That's right. Talk to Rick if you need that. Yeah. <laughs> Questions confirming. What about the message makes sense? Like, it's like, oh, that resonates. We want to hear that. Or conflict. What is confusing or could use some clarity? What... Uh, what is what is not? Mm, uh, we might be able to have a chance to get some answers now together, um, or it's just good for other people to hear. So you're going to have three minutes. Text that number there, and then um, I'll summarize a bit, and we'll come to a close. All right, these three minutes are yours.
going to read back to the room a few different things and maybe respond to a couple of uh, questions. <clears throat> uh, first of all, somebody suggested that I explain why a sermon based on a book but is still fully grounded in biblical truth. Uh, there's value and information gathered by a godly person who took a deep dive into the topic. So I think this person didn't want more explanation than what they gave, which is good. The sermon is based upon a book by somebody who went deep into this biblical truth. And yes, thank you. That is, that's good. Okay, where are we at next? Uh, somebody asked the question in 1 John 4, verses 4 through 5, who is them being referred to? Um, the little children, you are from God um, and, and have conquered them. Uh, John is writing about antichrists in their midst, who part of what they were doing was uh, denying the reality of the, the physical, actual Jesus. And so them is that you have conquered them. He is in you, um, is greater than he who is in the world, spawning those deceitful ideas about the reality of the incarnation. That's, an, that's at least a part of it that is happening there. <clears throat> okay. Uh, this person said, um, don't know which one this is, but listening to the voices in my head, I sometimes can't tell whether it is the Holy Spirit or the enemy. Yeah, that's a great um, question. Um, there, there's much to be said about discerning the voice of the Lord or the leading of the Lord, um, but maybe just uh, for the big audience here for a moment, um, I would say that we become familiar with the voice of the Lord through the scriptures. So when people tell me, God told me this, and I'm like, okay, that's out of the line of scripture. It's moral precepts. It's attitudinal precepts. It's wisdom precepts. I'm like, I don't, I think you just took the Lord's name in vain is what you did by saying, God told me to do this. So that's the first way we know the voice of the Lord is the scriptures. The scriptures introduce us to the Lord. And, and it's, it's, it can be daunting, but it introduces to his still small voice. Um, so the first thing I would suggest for this person is read the scriptures, know the scriptures, ingest them. <clears throat> um, okay, that was a really long thought, which is good. Okay, conflict. When the scriptures say even Satan disguised himself as an angel of light, how do we know what is true and what is not? It sounds like I should be wary of even good things in my life. In a way, I, would, I don't want to create anxiety for people, but I question many things. Now, I don't question the intrinsic good things in totality, but I am on guard, the way we think about money, the way that we think about politics, the way that we think about the direction of our country, the way we think about so many things, I'm just very careful. Like where does this thought come from, even which, that which seems really good? And again, we have to go back to the revealed word of God, to the scriptures, to the person and the work of Jesus Christ, and become very familiar with that. There are many good things 
good things that Jesus did not like pay a wit to. Um, you know, spiritual leaders who were really caring for the people and kind of suppressing them and keeping them all in line. Jesus didn't, it's just like, you might think that's good, but that's not. In my kingdom, the first shall be last, the last shall be first. So there's a bit of a clue right there. Anybody who tries to step over and oppress, even if they claim the name of God, is like, hmm, just wary. So we get to know the scriptures. Yes, you should know that this requires our deep and devoted attention. This does require us to be with the scriptures that I'm not making it, be on guard. What would you be like if you, I mean, William and Emily were just at a safari in Kenya. And I don't know if you actually saw any lions. You did. Very good. Now, if you were to get outside of your car and you knew that there was a lion prowling about, you probably would change your point of view, wouldn't you? It would change your, your mindset. You would be on guard. The scriptures are clear with us. Yes, you will be led to deception. And, and this is true. Okay, yeah, all right. <clears throat> How do you reject the way of the world but still draw the people of the world to Jesus without making them turn away because they can run from his name um, but help them to see him in small moments of comfort? How do we not participate with the world, um, but don't draw people away. Um, yeah, we are not called to sit in seats of judgment and condemnation for the world at large. We are invited to be very on guard and alert about how the way of the world can draw us into. And so I would say to anyone, don't participate with the deeds of darkness, trying to rescue the deeds of darkness from into the light. Don't go, into the, don't go into the dark with people and participate with it, particularly if you are prone to that kind of temptation. The, the, the world is strong and will suck you in. And I, you hear the passion in my voice because over the years, pastoring people, people with good intentions, which I often think are mostly false intentions, I really want to go about my life in the way that it was, and I'm calling it evangelism. And then they get sucked in and then they disappear. And it's like, what happened? You, you played with fire and you weren't honest about your own motivations. So what I would say is be very clear with your own heart and with your own attentions and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal what is really going on. I find that most people want to propagandize to others what their real good intentions are. Wrestle with that and say, oh, I'm... I'm wanting to have my cake and eat it too. It's my son's birthday. We got a cake coming up. So. <laughs> okay. Ooh, here's a here's a good question. Uh, it's just I hope that we see these. The, <laughs> I hope that these questions. Like, just help us to realize that we need to be discerning. Just bumbling along and not being discerning will get us to the way of the world. This person says, there's a gray area within this when the temptation to do bad comes from an innocent motive, such as saving money for kids as opposed to greed, or stealing to provide, etc. 
And Satan uses points of weakness strategically, and that is scary. Oh, yes. What is the best, what is the most tempting thing that the devil can do to make you not exist as a person that follows Jesus? Make your kids your idol. To convince you that because of your faith, risking your comfort or your kids' comfort, that you couldn't do that because your kids would be uncomfortable, that's, that's step number one. That's idolatry is what that is. Do we trust God or not? Most of us say we do, but then we can't even speak truth to our kids about what is going on in their lives out of fear that they wouldn't like us or fear that we wouldn't be our best friend, or fear that we will wreck them. Are they gods or are they not? Idolatry of the family and kids, coupled with the idolatry of money, coupled with an addiction to controlling the future, leaves us not behaving as Christians, but as idolaters that really are more interested about the American telos of life or the vision of life, the good life, the comfortable life, the happy life. This has nothing to do with the way of following Jesus. Jesus says, if you want to find your life, you must lose your life. The man said, wait, I'm going to go bury my father. I'm going to tend to my family, the man said. And Jesus said, let the dead bury their own dead. Follow me today. And then what Christianity did, you can be a Christian and not be married. It affirms singleness. You can be a Christian and not have children. And otherwise, your identity is being a part of the family of God, not in the biological family that you can create and maintain here on earth. Christianity reverses everything. One of the greatest enemies to the family in general, the idolatry of family, has been Christianity. Because our king was single. I mean, there's just so much that you hear my passion because I think most of us are really caught up into the fear of this and we're not wrestling with the scriptures adequately. We're not wrestling with the actuality of who Jesus is and what he calls us into. And yes, the enemy will use good things to create idolatries in our life. Was that the mic drop over there? Was that what that was? <laughs> All right, I've, I've preached. <laughs> oh yeah, somebody, uh, yeah, cool. They said premarital sex, stealing, and other evil acts are sinful and based on temptation. But what about subliminal desires like obsession, cynicism, arrogance, misogyny, racism, or resentment? Are we not to be careful of the cultural dichotomies of the world? <laughs> but temptation tastes so good like Nutella-filled <laughs> Malasada donuts. <laughs> yes, I did it, and I'm not ashamed. This person said, sort of. Okay, sorry if I outed all of your other stuff. All right. Shouldn't we be unequivocally on guard against both aggressive and passive sin because good intentions are just as divisive? Oh, yeah. Totally. Absolutely. 100%. Do you realize, like, this is significant. God didn't have to save the world because we were mostly okay. He did not have to save the trajectory of the whole cosmos because things were going fine. No. He 
sent himself and humbled himself to the form of a slave and he bore upon ourselves the sinfulness of humanity. Then he gave us his Holy Spirit to walk with us because we are in a war zone. We are in a war zone. And I shouldn't have to convince you of it, but most of us want to deny that and take up the good life we can construct without God. It might as well be, you know, <laughs> Joe Smith, our little idol. I didn't mean Joseph Smith. I'm not picking on Mormons. That's not what I'm doing. <laughs> Let's <choose>. <laughs> Caleb Frankfurter. Okay, so <laughs> I might as well. Like, Caleb Frankfurter, I give you everything. Oh, wait. No, Jesus, it, it's big. He teaches us to pray. Lead us through temptation. Deliver us from evil. Pray this way. Because the days are evil and we'll be prone to step into them. All right. You guys have a lot of good thoughts in here. Oh, somebody. I just want to read this because somebody wrote testimony. I think it's kind of like real time. For a long time, I have felt that I am an unlucky person. A lot of my friends and family know me as being very unlucky. But after your message about losing your life to gain your life in Jesus, I had a thought. Maybe this path of suffering I'm going through is because I haven't caught on to the fact that I need to let my life go to feel truly happy. I keep hanging on to my worldly life and saying that I'm unlucky when God has his arms open and has been waiting for me to open my eyes to him. Can we say amen to that? Absolutely, that is what is true. Notice that as I say we have to lose our life, we gain our life when we give it fully away. Jesus came that we would have life. He, he came that we would be freed from the deceptions of the world. Praise God. Somebody say amen. So what do we do in the midst of the brokenness? We, every week, we come to the table of communion. We come needing the grace of God. Oh man, of course, as a 44-year-old man, I see that my 17-year-old self, that my 21-year-old self, that my 25-year-old self, that my 32-year-old self, that my 38-year-old self did not see as I should have. I am a recipient of God's grace. It's the only thing that empowers us to keep moving forward. It's coming back to the lavish love of God to be healed, but then I need be daring to say that when I am my 65-year-old self, when I'm my 85-year-old self, I'm going to see that I only saw in part and I need to let these lies be removed. I need to see the world as it really is. We are being transformed from glory to glory, powered by the grace of Jesus who died on the cross, who was resurrected, who ascended to heaven, who is now at the right hand of the Father, ruling and reigning. And we are being called to rule and reign with him. Of course we don't get it right. Of of course we can be healed so we can be sent on to more and more sanctification. Somebody say amen. amen. Let's receive communion together. Stand with me.